But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, something back of your shirt. A little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the 9x9, the 81 square meters of the best volleyball content on the internet. My name is Everett DeLorme, joined as always by the one and only, the future voice of volleyball, Mr. Rob Sinclair himself, coming in from Chicago. Rob, Merry Christmas. It's not a Happy New Year yet. We're going to have one more show before the Happy New Year, but it is our last show before Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas. How, how, how thanks, are you doing? Thanks, buddy. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Happy Hanukkah. That uh, Hanukkah oh, started a couple days ago. It did. Uh, yes. new, new Year's coming up. We'll have a nice little uh, end-of-year wrap-up show coming up next week because as far as I know, there's really not that much volleyball going on this coming week. But but there was there was a handful there was a ton of volleyball uh, going on this past week. And let's just jump right into it. First and foremost, we had the second installment, the other half, if you will, of the Club World Championships with the women's going down this past weekend in Turkey. And it was all revenge for Imokoko Nigliano as they come home as the champions. And I mean, hey, it's two points for Hawk, none for Gonu in the past two years. She wins with Vodka Bank last year, and then she gets the MVP this year with, with Canigliano. Massive, massive win for Canigliano. And uh, just like that, Vodka Bank can, I mean, they couldn't be perfect anyways, but that's just another blow to what was expected to be the best team in the world this year. Oh, for two so far, Vakif Bank. They win all five trophies last year. They go out and get the best player in the world, and now they're oh, for two uh, in tournament so far which is crazy but yeah i gotta give Corneliano a ton of credit i did call it on last week's show did, uh, yeah. i had i had a little feeling that Corneliano was going to come out and win this tournament uh isabel hack like you said wins the mvp again very well deserved she was unbelievable in the the four set win over vakif bank in the final i mean we four points 30 34 points 34 for- on 30 32 for 57 attacking at 474 efficiency 474 in uh, against what should be the best team in the world like that's that's just gnarly and her whole tournament numbers are not far behind that as we'll talk about in just a little bit but Everett I think where we should start is does Isabel Hawk deserve to be part of the conversation for the best player in the world I mean I, I think at this point it's undeniable she's won everywhere she's gone uh and you can always make that argument that she has everything that she needs around her but that's you know the best players do, but we've seen what she's done with Sweden as well, how they've made late pushes at tournaments like the Euros. Uh, Isabel Hawk has been consistently one of the best players in the world the past few years. Uh, I mean, you do have to give her... she doesn't have the same schedule, uh, let's say, as some of the, the other teams with Sweden not being in the VNL and not being in these other the other major tournaments. So she is a little bit more well-rested. But time and time again, she comes and she delivers. And she just does the job. She has been so good so far this year for Canigliano. And they didn't really, like, it didn't really seem like they were not in control. And as good as Isabel Hawk is and as, as, as fant- fantastic as she is, I think a lot of the credit also has to go to Joanna Volage, uh in the setter position who was absolutely outstanding once again. But Isabel Hawk, if she was playing on 
a team that even like, even like a Belgium or or like a Canada uh, in the VNL that's kind of a, a fringe team, she would be much more recognized as one of the best opposites. And you have to be you have to be putting her in that same category right now as a Gonu and as a Boscovich. For sure. I think you really could make the argument for any of the three. And in, in the conversation like that for those three players, it's especially the way we've been talking about on the show, Everett, you can, like you like I said, you can make a case for all three of them. It's kind of a what have you done for me lately situation mm-hmm. as far as that conversation goes, really which, is, is, yeah. which is why Tiana Boscovich has really um, crept up towards the top in that conversation this year with the way she performed at the, the World Championship for Serbia. But if we're talking about what have you done for me lately, uh, Isabel Hawk just went out and beat the two main challengers i think that corneliana will have this year in europe and that's how we were talking about this tournament the club world championship we you know we have our complaints about the tournament but it it gave us the opportunity to see three of the best teams in the world all play against one another and they all did play against one another so corneliano obviously they beat vodka bank in four sets in the final and i mean 25 18 23 25 25 21 25 21 like that's pretty convincing they also, like we previewed on last week's show, had a huge match against Zajabaju on Friday in pools, which they also won. I think also mm-hmm. three to one. Yeah. Uh, yep. Also three to one. And and then Zajabasha had the match in the semis against Vakif Bank, in which they got three donked. Uh, Vakif Bank won that one. So and that, that was Zajabasha's first loss of the season too. That, that, that's a that's a big their, showdown because their they, first they... two losses of the season total, and their first yes, loss correct. to another Turkish team. Yes. Uh, so. I mean, we, we had it. We had an opportunity for all three of the best teams in Europe to all play against each other, which was really cool. And uh, Corneliano came out of this tournament looking like the best team in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. They do. They they just run so smoothly. It didn't matter who they had out there, whether it was Plummer, whether it was Alexa Gray. Kelsey Robinson Cook, Cook looked fantastic. Like she looked better than Gabi Gabi out there, which is which is crazy to think when you think about how good Gabi has looked, both for Brazil and for Vakov Bank the past few seasons. Um, Canigliano was just running on such such a high cylinder right now and they're just executing at such a high level we've already given the, the credit to hawk like you have the three different stages like the, the that final stage you put in the, the the nail in the coffin is hawk setting everything up in village but i think you have to give so much credit to santorelli and how he's been leading this team and how he's been leading all his teams i don't think you like Guidetti had his time in in the spotlight being the guy, you know, running Vakif Bank, bringing Turkey up the way he has. But things have been falling apart quickly for Guidetti, and Santorelli is just absolutely on the rise right now. Just another massive performance. You, you can tell that they're they're operating on another, on a different le- level organizationally. Like, it kind of reminds me of, of, like, the way, like, the Gordon, Golden State Warriors run or, like, a prime New England Patriots where they, like, this is a program that knows how to win, and they're going to do it no matter what. Yeah, Santorelli, I think we said it recently on a show that he has to be considered the best coach in the world right now, at the 100%. very least on the women's side. I mean, what, what, what even on the men's side? Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe yeah, Di Giorgio. Maybe Di Giorgio of, it, of the Italian men's team. And that, that's, that, that's a strong, that's a strong. And, and, well, yeah. he doesn't coach club, which isn't his fault. The Italian Federation won't let him, but uh, his national team success speaks for itself. Anyway, uh, Canaliano walks out of this tournament looking like the best team. Uh, let's talk about the dream team, Everett. Because another major tournament, another joke of a dream team. What are we doing here? First of all, I thought there was always a formula for this. I guess not. That goes out the window. I thought that it was four players from the winning team, two players from the second place team, and one player from the third place team. Guess not. No Itzajabasha players at all. 
uh, in the Dream Team, only members of the final, which makes honestly no sense. Not a good representation representation of the tournament. But Isabel Hawk and Isabel Hawk MVP, no brainer. Joanna Volos, uh, best setter, no brainer. Yeah. Monica Dejanara, best libero, no brainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelsey Robinson and Gabi Guimara's best outside hitters. Cool. I'm fine with that one. Uh, I, yeah. I thought Catherine Plummer had a good tournament, but I think Kelsey Robinson Cook deserves it more. What are we doing in the middle blocker position? Why are we giving it to Zara Gunes just because she's popular and has over a million Instagram followers and some, not me, but some might call her the best middle blocker in the world. She had one point, one, one point in four sets in the finals and hit negative efficiency. I mean, we know how these things are usually picked. It's usually the, the dignitaries, um, and Brutal. I'm sure the, 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 the Turkish, you know, the Turkish Federation had a hand in it. Um, one point in four sets is absolutely like that's just laughable. Um, you know, you could have even picked, as the middle. Like, like, come like, on, mate. Like Robin DeCroif is is was probably the best middle in the, in the event for for me. Um, but yeah, that that was uh, other than Chaco Obogu, Obogu, of course. Like she, Obogu deserved that as as yeah. always. She's awesome. It's so good points. to see her. Yeah, to see yeah. her play full time because in the Turkish league she's not able to because they're so handcuffed by foreigners. But in Champions League and in a like FFVB event like this, it's great to see Chaco Obogu get the minutes she deserves. Even like Marina Lubion for Corneliano is having an awesome season in the middle. She was better than Zara Gunesh. Uh, point in the chat. I totally agree. Uh, Sinia Jack, uh, one of the middles from the Zajabasha, doesn't contribute that much, but she had a better tournament than Zara Gunesh. So get her in there, get the third place team represented. Like, I, I thought that there was a formula to why we're always so bad as, as volleyball world picking dream teams, but turns out even that's not the case. And we still can't get it right for this. It, it's, it's kind of frustrating. No, absolutely not. And I mean, we haven't really talked about Devakov Bank so much in, in in this matchup in this matchup either. Let's talk about them. where Let's do we do start? Like when do we start po- pointing fingers? Like who do we start pointing at? Because like even if you look at this picture here, like this is this is not a happy team. Guidetti d- doesn't look happy. You know, Gonu kind of like smiling. She kind of looks checked out. I mean, wh- where's the problem lie? Is it Osby? Is it Gonu needing too much? too much volume can they just not handle it as a daddy and the, the plan because this is not like th- th- things are not going as planned it's been a very very rocky start uh so far for, for this this season for vodka's bank i think it, it comes from in a couple different places uh first and foremost as we've seen with a lot of t- a lot of turkish teams including both of the turkish teams that played in this club world championship and failed to win the outside hitter position is a problem. And I'm not talking about Gabi Guimaraes because she's awesome. I think she's the best left side in the world. But the yeah, second yeah. outside hitter position for Vakit Bank has not been good this year. I think we really over or underestimated how valuable Michelle Barch-Hackley was to that team the last couple of years. And now without her, you bring in Nika Dalderop, you bring in Kara Bayama. Neither of them are getting it done at the level that they need to for Vakit Bank. And the same kind of goes for Zajabasha. We know their story of not of when they've been good they have had outside hitter support and in this tournament they absolutely didn't it was truly a one-woman show in tiana boscovich slightly less the case for vodka think because they have a going to and gabi two of the best if not the best of the world of their positions um but i think the setter position starts ne- needs to start being looked at a little bit more i don't 100%. think john sewell is by having the season for vodka bank that she needs to have i don't really know what it is Maybe it's still an adjustment period, uh, having a Gonu instead of Hawk, but 
I'm not really going to give her the benefit of the doubt for that. I think she expects more of herself to be able to run a better offense than this and getting one of the best players in the world in to replace another one of the best players in the world. Maybe Igonu needs a bit of a different ball than Hawk does. I actually think that she does, but that shouldn't change the, the different. Yeah. I shouldn't, I, I don't think that should fundamentally change the way her offense runs. You, you still have an elite opposite. You still have Gabi. You still have very good middle attackers. There isn't any reason for their, for this Vakif Bank offense to be fundamentally different than it was last year when they won all five of their trophies. And I think that it is. And I think that Ozbai might be thinking herself to death maybe a little bit. And uh, Vakif Bank's offensive system is suffering. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird to put a finger on, but it's, it's one of the only things that I can point to when you do the math in saying best team in volleyball last year, add the best player in the world and get worse. Like that math doesn't make sense unless you have some of the, some of the pieces in there not playing up to their potential. For sure. I, I would disagree. I think that the, the presence of Agonu makes a big difference in the offense. I think she needs a different ball. It's going to be, needs to be a higher ball. You know, maybe it shifts the weight of your offense and, and how you're especially going to run your middles, how much ball you're going to be running to, to the to the left side. Um, and I think she just she just demands a lot more attention uh, out there. And uh, yeah, I think the trajectory of her ball just leads to a, to a different type of offense. Regardless, though, it just hasn't been working. You're you're right. And but at the same time, it's what can Vakuf Bank do in this situation? It's not like they can go out and find themselves another world class setter, you know, other than jo- Joanna Volage, who's going to be able to hand- handle it. Like we've we've seen uh, uh, with. Um, like uh, Oro uh, with with Italy, and they, they've had the same struggles, right? So, someone something's got to be figure figure it out uh, at Bavaria Bank real quick, or this is going to be a, a bit of a wasted season for them. Well, they've still got plenty of season in front of them, I and mean, we're just about to hit the new year, and they've still got the three most important trophies of the year still to defend in Turkish Cup, Turkish League, and Champions League, and they're going to be heavy favorites, if not the favorite for for every one of those events, but uh, it's weird for them. Are they the favorite anymore now though? Like you, you can't, you can't tell me that they've been the, they're the favorite. Maybe not for champions league, maybe not for champions league, but I, I think that they still will be finalists at the very, very least in both the Turkish competitions. And I think right now, I mean, they, they, pretty cleanly handled Zajabasha in the semifinals of this tournament. Uh, I know uh, it was the other way around when they played in the regular season a month or two ago, but I think Vakafank's better than Zajabasha right now, and I think they're going to have a better season. Uh, but can they, can they win the remaining three tournaments? I, I would not bet on it. Uh, I, I think that they would be have to be happy at this point with one, maybe two. And Champions League is a huge question mark. They're, that road to, to defending that tournament is obviously the hardest of them all. I would not, I would not bet that Vakif Bank right now is the best team in, in that competition. No, especially if Vakif Bank comes up, even if they come up with like against a Malonza or a Scandici, hmm. Scandici right? Like, I th- actually, I think Scandici might be in Scandici's the, in, in the CV Cup, Cup or Challenge yeah. Cup. Yeah, Sorry, it would be but... Novara, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, maybe, yeah, maybe Milano, Monza, Malonza beats them head to head if they play in like the semifinals or something. I could see that. Yeah, for sure. Like it's it's not the definitive that we were expecting this year from Vakuf Bank. We were expecting them just to, to walk through, and it has not been the case. Let's talk about Azadjabasha for a second. Uh, bronze medalist that did bit, beat uh, Gerdau Minas, the Brazilian team, in the bronze medal match in four. I'm a little bit disappointed uh, on their behalf because they, this it's been a little while since 
this since this club has really had a chance to do something huge in international volleyball. I mean, last year they didn't even play Champions League. Uh, they're, they're usually, well, obviously one of the top three teams in Turkey. Uh, last year they were not, so they didn't get to play Champions League. Now they're back. Uh, they've got Boscovich playing as well as she ever has. Uh, I think the pieces around her are good enough. Uh, she's got my own Yanovich setting. This is a, it was a nice opportunity for Zajabasha to make make just make a bigger impact on a bigger stage. And their fir- their first two losses of the season coming against their two main competitors in Europe and didn't really show out all that well in either one. I mean, the st- the story is what it always is. They don't have more offensive support past Jana Boscovich. They've yeah. got to somehow find more consistent production. Uh, Hande Baladin's got to be better. Uh, let's see. Who's who's even the other outside hitter? That, that Voronkova character. Yeah, Irina Voronkova, not good enough. Uh, I'm looking at the stats of the semis uh, versus Vakapek. They've got to get more from somewhere. And it was just kind of a disappointing outing for a team that I thought was ready to make a splash. They just seem to be playing uninspired volleyball. And I don't know if maybe because they haven't been competing at that level for a while that they were just kind of kind of expecting all of that, that success that they were having so far in Turkey, just to, just to continue at the world club world championships. Uh, And I mean, you're, you're playing essentially, it's essentially at home, so you should, but they came out flat uh, especially in that Canigliano game in, in pool play. I was expecting a bit much more of a Poland. We just didn't get it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Vakfbank really, or sorry, Zajabashna needs to go back to the drawing board a little bit, and they need to find a little bit of a, that fire. Uh, because if they want to fight with these these two top teams, especially, they're going to need to do it. And you know what? I think Fenerbahce. I don't know. I can't remember if Fenerbahce is in the Champions League. Are yes, they? they are. Yeah, yes, they, they, they are. are. Right. Like I think Fenerbahce is a team that's right there knocking on the door. Um, and I, I would say, to my opinion, that maybe Fenerbahce is even closer than Malonza uh, right now as that that ne- that next team up as those it's not a bad elite, not a bad take upper echelon t- teams. Uh, Look forward to January 7th. It's Zajabasha versus Fenerbahce in the Turkish League is their next okay. big match, like the next big match for either one of those teams. So uh, maybe we'll learn a little bit more about that in a couple of weeks. Uh, before we move on from the Club World Championship, Everett, I want to throw some numbers out at you and, and get your thoughts on them. These are the, uh, the, the, the full Club World Championship tournament-long statistics for the three great opposites like uh, like we've pointed out, Hawk, Igonu, and Boscovich. But I'm not going to tell you who's who. Uh, so okay. in, the, in the chat, uh, do, do this exercise with us as well. I'm going to read you uh, the, the, the full tournament stats from the four matches of each of the three great opposites in the world, and I want you guys to try and guess who's who, all right? Player number one, 93 points on the tournament, 81 for 157 attacking. That's 369 efficiency, six blocks, and six aces, Okay. That's player yeah. number one, 369 efficiency. Six player, box, num- six agents. All right. Right. player number two has 95 points on the tournament, uh, 82 for 145 attacking, 448 efficiency, five blocks, and eight aces. So uh, 448 efficiency, eight aces, and 95 total points is player number two. And last but not least, player number three is 99 points, the most scoring of all the players, 88 for 165 attacking, 424 efficiency, seven blocks, and four aces. So player number three had the most points, the most blocks. Player number two had the highest efficiency and the most aces. And player number one was very good in every category, but not the best in any one. Uh, who do you think 
who do you think are players one, two, and three? If you had to guess, okay, wait. So three had most most blocks and most what? Sorry, aces. Three three had most total points, ninety nine points. Uh, was the middle in terms of efficiency at four twenty four, and the most blocks was seven. Player number two uh, was uh, the middle in scoring, highest efficiency at four forty eight, and most aces with eight. And player number one, lowest total points by a little bit. Lowest total efficiency and in the middle in both blocks and aces. Okay, I'm going to go number three is Hawk. Uh, number one is Boscovich, and number two is Agonu. You are close. Player number one is Paula Agonu. Uh, Paula Agonu, 93 points, 369 efficiency, six blocks, six aces. So lowest efficiency of the three belonged to Paula Agonu. Uh, Tiana Boscovich was player number two. She uh, had 95 points, four, highest efficiency at 448 and the most aces. And Isabel Hawk uh, was player number three. She had the most total scoring, uh, meet, the 424 efficiency, which was in the middle, and the most blocks. So uh, Paula Egonu, by a slim margin, objectively had the worst tournament of the three. That's what I'm saying, man. That, that connection with uh, Osbaya right now just isn't there, and uh, something something needs to be figured out, or she's gonna her stock's gonna fall real quick quickly. Yeah, just just really interesting. It, it's cool that we got to see uh, basically a like, you know, forget those other three teams, two Brazilian teams and a Kazakh team. Like forget them. This is basically a three team round robin of the best three of three of the best teams in the world and the three best opposite players in the world. And it was just cool to kind of see how they stacked up like that. Their numbers were extremely similar, extremely similar overall. All of them in the 90s in scoring and about in the same brackets in every other step. It's really too bad that Isabel Hawk isn't playing internationally at the same level. Because imagine if, if she was. Imagine if she was playing like for the USA, for example. I mean, <laughs> that would be... So let's, let's, let's not... Let's, you know... Let's, yeah, if if you slot her in with, with, with Canada even, mm, we, we, would be, we would be nice. No offense to, to Kira Van Rijk. I think she's fantastic. But I think it's kind of nice for Hawk to not play national team in terms of her health, her You're body, right. her uh, mental health, the whole thing. Like the, the fact that uh, uh, but maybe... Imagine a world where an elite level professional volleyball player actually has an off season. Yeah, she 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 does get that. One of one of the very few. One of, <laughs> one one of the of, very few. One of the very few. All right, uh, I think that's right. about well, it for that, the club uh, world championship, right? Yeah, that, that is for for it for the club world championships. Um, the most tournament in volleyball is also pretty entertaining sometimes this was a good one I, I enjoyed this one it was it was better than the men's tournament for yeah, sure absolutely the women's the women's is is uh always better than men's and that's also the case uh for the ne- thing on the next docket the ncaa women's volleyball tournament no doubt about that that's better than the men's and <laughs> big ups to the texas longhorns for taking home their third uh all-time ncaa championship a massive three nothing win over Louisville in the finals. Uh, that is the well, it was the first in 10 years uh, for Jared Elliott and, and the Longhorns and just an absolutely dominant performance by Logan Eggleston, the player of the year, and the rest of the do- uh, Longhorns. They wanted it, and, and you could tell. Well said. I, it wasn't nearly as dramatic of a Final Four, or especially a, a, the championship match in particular being a 3-0. It wasn't yeah. nearly as dramatic as last year with Wisconsin winning in five the way that they did, but... Texas was the best team in the country this year. They had one loss all year, which is like a weird five-setter to Iowa State towards the end of conference season. And they came into the tournament, and they destroyed everyone they played. I got to give San Diego credit. They, they kind of held up the best against them in the semifinal. They did, uh, yeah. T- at least taking a set. 
nobody could slow down Texas's offense. They had so many weapons. Obviously, Logan Eggleston, the player of the year, both Asia O'Neill. Asia O'Neill might have been my favorite player. Love that. She might have been my favorite player this tournament because of the way that she was ripping slide balls like straight down to eight feet just the whole time. And like one-on-one reading people in the middle as a blocker and ending people's careers. I thought that was cool. Uh, Madison Skinner for Texas wins her second national championship for her second different team. Remember when she was a freshman, she played for Kentucky and beat Texas in the championship match, which is pretty wild. Uh, So congratulations to Texas. They were the best team in the country. They, uh, I, I, Congrats to Louisville. Second place is amazing. They did choke set number three away. They were oh, up they, twenty four. They were up twenty four to twenty two. Yeah, absolutely. Like it should have gone to four. I, For sure. I wanted it. I wanted it to go to four. Uh, I had the sense too that Louisville could definitely get something going. I think Anna De, De Beer was fantastic for them, especially in that that third set. She started that spark, and she's you know like she's that type of player that I, I love to watch. She's like a little, little gritty. Um, and man, Louisville looked like they were going to get it going, but they—you're absolutely right—they choked away, uh, choked it away at the end there, and uh, it, it was—it was tough to watch. But man, big ups to uh, that Texas team, big up to Logan Eggleston, um, and it's going to be interesting to see Rob where where we start seeing some of these athletes pop up because you know some of these fifth years are going to be highly sought after by some of these big teams in Italy and uh and Turkey and and across Europe of course. Yeah, I thought we were going to have more news on that by today. I'm honestly kind of bummed cuz I feel like last year it was immediately after the tournament ended that we already knew like five <laughs> players were immediately headed overseas. Maybe maybe it was a week later, but I was expecting a little more buzz around that, and we don't really know very much right now. We heard that Macerata in Italy, one of the worst teams in the league, reached out to one of the NCAA players. We don't know who, uh, but that's kind of about it. I, Logan Eggleston could help a, a team in Italy, especially like 100%. a mid-low tier team or like a German team or a Polish team or there are teams out there who Any would be teams, helped. Yeah. yeah. Who would be helped significantly by a lot of these NCAA girls who are just finishing up their careers right now. So I'm curious to see where some of them end up. We'll follow along with it the next week or so. Maybe we'll know by next week. Uh, yeah, absolutely. A, a couple other things I wanted to point out before we talk about another embarrassing all tournament team in terms of how it was selected. So Louisville, Louisville beats Pitt in the in the semifinals, right? Crazy right. five setter. You're like, okay, you see three to two. Great match, right? It was fifteen to two in the fifth set. Yeah. I have never seen that in my life. Louisville went up eight to nothing. Eight to nothing. All on Anna DeBeer's serve. And she has one of the nastiest float serves I've ever seen. Oh, which which was one of the wiggles. things it wiggles out there. one of the things that was missing for Louisville in the final, by the way, because she, DeBeer had all those aces against against Pitt. I have no idea how many. I should look that up. Uh, but she had zero. Zero in the final against Texas. They did a great job of getting her off the service line. And we saw what happened to Pitt completely crumbling on the biggest stage and set five of a national championship semifinal of just could not get her off the service line, ended up losing 15 to two. And I thought that was interesting and was one of Louisville's strengths that Texas did a really good job neutralizing the final. Texas was just, they were just on a, on a different level and, and you could tell that they were, they're ready to execute. What I really liked about Texas's passing too, is that it didn't, it, it didn't, like sacrifice getting aced for going for that perfect pass. If it wasn't right. there perfectly, they would just let the ball, you know, like just go for that two pass instead of trying to go for that perfect three. Um, and I think that's what would really help, especially with Beer. Like she hits that float serve so true, but with so much pace at the same time, it's really coming at you. And it, that's what caused them the, the, the whole problems in the, in the third set. But she just was, she was just hitting it hard and, and, 
causing a lot of problems where she wasn't getting the aces like she was against uh, Pitt. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's just, it's all credit to Texas. Like you could just tell that they were on another level and they are just executing like no one else right now. Good coaching and good high level serve reception strategy. Like you said, fight it off to the 10 foot line and set your three elite level wings that hit the ball higher and harder than anyone else. And your offense is going to be just fine. I, I totally agree. I think that was a strength of theirs. Can we talk about this stupid all-tournament team? Yeah, let's let, 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 let's let's dive into it because this again. W- once we again, just did this <laughs> once again. You would you would think, especially for a tournament as extensive as the NCAA tournament, like how many matches are you playing that you would do you would give a little bit more credence and a little bit more credit to just the, anything more than the top two teams? Nope. the The, the final four all-tournament team is represented by exactly two teams. Only the two finalists, no love for anyone from Pittsburgh or San Diego. And now I know like the regions, like the, the, the individual 16 team tournaments that feed into the final four, like they all named like they're all region teams, whatever. We can do a better job overall of getting everyone involved here. But even worse than that, not, I, I don't even hate the fact so much that there are only two teams. I hate the breakdown by positions, right? There is one setter. There is one middle blocker. <laughs> there is one opposite. There are four outside hitters, and there are zero liberos. What are we doing? How does Zoe Fleck, the best libero in the country, not get recognized for how good she played this tournament? And why are we giving four outside, like all four starting outside hitters in the final, get on the all tournament team? Just it's, it's like a participation trophy. It it to me it begs the question who's making these decisions come on is it is it ncaa people is it volleyball people is the avca in, in, involved in this like how do the, how are these decisions being made because if you're a volleyball person and you're out there and you're only throwing up one setter what are we doing you're throwing up no liberos That's like ridiculous do, do, especially do you, with do how you wish do you wish we still had si- side out scoring is, is that what's going on like do you want beach to go back to nine by nine like grow up like the libero the libero is here let's let's start valuing them like they are so instrumental especially at the ncaa game especially at the end at the ncaa game where you've got a constant in and out of of potentially different back row back back row compatriots with uh you know the defensive uh defensive subs and stuff like that you need you need your your libero in there so it's just such a shame that we're not giving any any respect to the liberos yeah not even like a defensive player of the tournament or anything like that just no love for the liberos i hate that so uh, the, the full list logan eggleston uh, most outstanding fl- player from texas uh texas's setter sage who has a ridiculous last name like a hawaiian hyphenated last name i'm honestly not even gonna attempt it but uh well well deserved she was the best setter in the tournament for sure asia o'neill was the best middle in the tournament for sure but we need more middles getting love and then madison skinner from texas claire chasse anna debeer from louisville and then Aiko jones who's louisville's opposite gets a nod at least they actually called her an opposite one of the things that i hate about ncaa women's is they almost every roster in in every ncaa women's game they just treat the outside hitter in the opposite like the same position which it is not very clearly not the same position so at least they said opposite on this uh but no libero only one middle only one setter we got to do better about this yeah 100 percent. and it it it's it just overall like we're seeing the popularity of this of this match we see how it's sold out sixteen thousand, like basically seventeen thousand people in 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 omaha and it's been d- doing that a- everywhere you know i'm sure once the numbers come out from espn too that you know there is 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people across the United States and even more watching illegally uh, online. Thanks a lot to NCAA. Let us watch. Come on. You got so many internationals. We won't let us watch. Uh, but regardless, like at what point does this tournament start getting a little bit more respect, right? Like, remember that women's volleyball is more watched when it comes when coming to the big 10 network women's volleyball is more watched than women's basketball and yet it doesn't give it yet the same level of respect or coverage that women's basketball does like we're not even talking about men's basketball men's football let's just let's just keep it on par with with the other women's sports um there's no one through one through 64 seed right we have this this garbage seeding system for, for for the women's volleyball tournament and there's just these inconsistencies that it continues to show that there's there's still that lack of respect within the ncaa despite the women's volleyball being such a good product for them yeah women's volleyball is doing great numbers for both the ncaa and for the big 10 like you said and the big 10 is figuring that out they're putting they're surrounding themselves more volleyball people and they're doing more volleyball specific media within the big 10 conference i think it hopefully the ncaa at, at their level takes takes a little more from that and puts more volleyball people on this, I think that's kind of what this tournament needs. You need the, the oversight of one or two more volleyball people. And then some of these little details are going to get done a little bit better. And I, I happen to know one or two volleyball people uh, that, that are on this on a, on a certain video screen right now here in your living room or all around the world that uh, would be happy and willing to help uh, with some of these details to make it a better product. So uh, call us, NCAA. Yeah, 100%. I'm Canadian, but I'll, I'll, I'll do the work for you regardless. <laughs> Rob, the, 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 there's one thing that the, we're, this is in our show notes, and I'm going to spring it on you quickly. This weekend that there was announced, and we talked about it a little bit last week about all the different women's leagues coming up. This weekend it was announced that now Joe Burrow is behind the other league coming up, the Real Pro Volleyball or Pro Real Volleyball. Is it, Pro was, Volleyball Federation uh, yeah. is, is the name of it, yeah. Yeah, something like that. They were all over Instagram at the at the ABCA convention, of course, at, at the finals. A, what's up with football guys getting involved with volleyball? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating on it absolutely at all. I love it. Um, let's get more scandals like Brett Favre stealing money from the state of Louisiana for, for volleyball. <laughs> that Why not? Yeah. You know for sure. But now Joe Burrow, Burrow's getting involved. You got Kevin Durant in 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 one volleyball. Things are starting to heat up on the women's volleyball side, and I love to see the popularity of this tournament flow into that yeah this is the kind of an annual conversation that we have about the ncaa women's volleyball tournament how do we capitalize on how good this tournament is how does volleyball at large especially in north america capitalize on the momentum of this tournament with like you said the sixteen thousand people there and whatever the view viewership numbers end up being and these players going to play professional volleyball almost immediately like how do we capitalize on that and that changes a little bit every year and it's never really done as well as as we would want it to obviously but like you said it's gaining attention and it's gaining attention in terms of action from big name people with big bank accounts uh more so now than it has before i mean now there the fact that there are three competing professional women's volleyball leagues trying to start up in the states is ridiculous and it's a good problem to have because the numbers that that NCAA volleyball is putting forward are are getting people like Joe Burrow and Kevin Durant to invest in this game. That's awesome. That can only help volleyball at large. And while it's weird that those entities couldn't like even before they they produce anything on the court, which both League One and Real Pro Volleyball whatever have not played a match yet, why they're bothering competing instead of joining up uh, before having even played a match? 
No, uh, I disagree with fully. I disagree with this fully. First and foremost, here's this. There has never been the creation of a, of a, of a serious pro league in North America that hasn't had a, competi- a competing league that it's eventually swallowed up. Right. It actually is kind of true. If you think about the major sports, if you think about like the the beginning of the NHL, the NHL was created based off of like owners being pushed out and a bunch of a group of owners like, okay, well, we're going to create our own league. They they started the NHA like back in like the the 1900s. The same thing with the MLB. We had the the American League and the National League having to come together. We've seen it in football. We've seen it in basketball with with the ABA. Every single major sport has had these competing entities because. I've seen it so much in volleyball. Everyone wants to come together and they all want to sing Kumbaya and they all want their time to speak. And then nothing ever gets done because everyone doesn't like, like everyone's feeling gets hurt and then nothing happens. This, this way we have like different competing entities, all with budgets, all with monies and and bank accounts. And they're going to invest in their product because they believe in it. And they're going to build up the empire and they're going to start building these things up. And then, one of them is going to, you know, amalgamate into another one and they're going to build it like this is how these things start. And that's why I'm so excited about the fact that we have these different entities all coming out right now. Yeah, one of them is going to win. And that, that's good because hopefully 100%. they do make each other better. Uh, but I'm just curious to see them actually produce volleyball on the court, which so far they have not. Meanwhile, on the men's side, we have a very similar thing happening between this entity right here, uh, the Volleyball League of America, that does have a competitor uh, that is kind of in the same situation with everything but the but the Kevin Durant, Joe Burrow level budgets behind it. So uh, hopefully that uh, may, may the best man win, so to speak, in that one as well. I feel like it has to come. But like at the end of the day, you know that if volleyball is going to succeed in this country, women's volleyball has to go for it first. Right? Of course it does. Of course it does. Title IX is too much of a barrier, and the, the lack of a presence at the men's NCAA level cannot be overcome. Nobody knows or cares about men's volleyball in America. They do now kind of know about women's. So let's start there. I agree. 100%. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's uh, before before we move on to talk about some of some stuff going on in Europe, Everett. That's uh, a nice sweatshirt you got there. Yeah, the, it is a pretty nice sweatshirt. It looks exactly like that sweatshirt right there on oh, the screen. At, right there on the screen, <laughs> and you're right. The brand new nine by nine squared series is out. It looks great. I love it. It's comfy. It came in today. I'm actually doubling up real quick. If you if you allow me, he's got the t-shirt on underneath it. Ooh, careful, Everett. You're going to get this flagged on YouTube. <laughs> it looks great. It looks great and great, too. I didn't flash you guys too much, luckily. Um, but, yeah, head over to that volleyball.store to pick up, pick it up. Yeah, there's some good stuff over there. Uh, hit up that volleyball.store. Uh, the first-year anniversary promo is over. You missed it, but the stuff is still there on the store. Uh, you should go get some and look as cool as us. Or yeah, just Everett in this case. Yeah, even that, like he says, 9 by 9 equals... 81. Well, what did I say that that one time was a 91 square meters? That's yeah, and I'm, I've we've we've both messed it up before in the past. I mean, yeah. math is hard, you guys. Come on, math, math is math is yeah, hard. So is talking. I don't know. So. Talking's hard too. I don't know who who in their right mind gave me two engineering degrees. I can't even count. <laughs> Purdue. That's why I'm all I'm very questionable about the the boilermakers. Hey, hey, uh, number one team in the country in men's basketball right now. Hey, all right. Congratulations. Uh, thank also, you. Also, big uh, up to your uh, Packers getting back in the game there. Uh, well, uh, it's, it's, it's just delaying the inevitable, I believe. Uh, my, most of my sports teams right now are pretty sad. So uh, we can tell, you can make fun of me for that in the Discord if you want. Uh, join the Volleyball Source Discord to uh, get in on all the memes and all of the, 
the discussion about volleyball and about how stupid soccer is, but how great that World Cup final I was, game I was. I was going to say, you cannot say awesome. that that World Cup game was not one of the greatest it was games awesome. you've watched It ever. was awesome. It was by far the best soccer game I've ever watched, which is an extremely low bar, but uh, good job, soccer. You, you, good you job, produced, soccer. You produced a good product for once. <laughs> Let's move on to the best product we have in professional volleyball, the Italian Men's League. Uh, there's, there's a segue. This was not a very good weekend in the Italian Men's League. It was pretty lame. Uh, we'll go over it kind of quickly. Here's the standings. Perugia's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. They're 13 points ahead of the second place team, which is absurd. Now through 12 matches, uh, which is we're, we're officially everyone's played 11. 11 is halfway through the season. So we're getting to the, uh, the second half of the year now. Uh, let's also put up what happened this weekend. These are all five matches from the weekend. Uh, Chisterna beat Milano 3-1. to one. That was kind of yeah. notable. And Piacenza beat Verona 3-1. to one. I think those are the only matches we're talking about. Everything else was the 3-dong. Everything else was the better team winning. Yeah, let's start. I definitely want to start with the Chisterna and Milano one because that was one that was interesting. First and foremost, Peter Durlich, 30 points in this one. He was an absolute monster. What's it up with the Croatians this year just going off? Him and Sedlacek have been both been unreal. Durlich, we, we have to continue talking about him because he's been lights out um eight for Chisterna. blocks eight eight blocks, blocks. Yeah. that is a big number and, and 47 swings at a decently high efficiency well-deserved mvp 30 points a lot of them on jean patrick too but he got blocked seven times and Oof. the efficiency for milano in this one is bad and it's bad too because they have augusta uh um did they still have uh, yeah, uh Lozair and Piano are both back. At least they're both available and they still don't Lo- Lo- look good. Lozair played the entire time. Piano came, came off the bench spinly, but still Milano 37% as a team in this one. They got blocked 16 times, as we mentioned. Seven Terrible. for Patri, six for Abadapur. Man, Patri looked bad, 15 for for 44, only 34% hitting. Abadapur looked even worse, 10 for 35. <laughs> 29% hitting. He looked better in the middle than he did on the outside. Like, what's, what's going on? Milad? I was just about to say, and, so, and somebody in the chat just said the same thing. Milano should go back to not having middles. They were playing better. And honestly, they Absolutely. were. Uh, as somebody else in the chat says, Milano doesn't have a good go-to guy. That's the thing, is that they should, because I think Jean Patry is a top five opposite in the world, but he just cannot figure it out with this Paolo Poro kid setting in the ball. It just That's doesn't exactly. work for them. Paul Leak just can't get it done. Um, that's what his name uh, Paul. translates to in English. <laughs> I, in English. I, love, I love when Google translate, translates him. He is Paul Leak, like, Paul, the, Paul, like, the, like yeah. the vegetable. <laughs> but yeah, Paul Leak just not getting it done. And you can tell by this team's offense. It's just it's just struggling along. It just seems like they're working so much harder than they, they need to be. Um, and I hate to say it, but it almost looks like he's regressed since last year. Like, there's times last year that I was like, hey, man, I can get on board with this Poro kid. Like, I think he's doing a good job. But at this point, I think I'd rather the rookie that Trentino had earlier than Poro because it's not oh, been going God. well for, for Milano. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder what the future for this Milano team is because they kind of they, – they've got Yuki Ishikawa. He's been their guy for a long time, and they've got a, a smattering of Italians here and there. But they're really trying to build this program around Paolo Poro at the center position. Like, they've really taken a flyer on him for the past two years now. I wonder how long they stay on that course or they go – get another Italian or maybe even a foreigner. I, I think there might have to be a change of organizational tactic there this offseason, maybe. I just don't think there's that many like quality Italian setters to go around. Well, there's not. All to that's, be, that's, all to that's be that's playing, true. you know? 
Um, so yeah, I think that they have to switch up their, their roster a little bit and go out and get a foreign, a foreign center if they want to compete. Cause like right now, like Milano was a team at, at, at times last year where we thought could be, you know, one of the, the top, the better teams. And so far they have not looked anything like that this year. Of course, not having Thomas Jaski was, a, is a big hole, but Poro's just been looking bad and their offense just hasn't gotten going. But on the other side, just Cerna looking good. They're, they still don't know what they're going to do from week in week out, but this is a, <laughs> this is one of their good weeks weeks. Yeah, this this was a good Chisterna week, and uh, that that probably means that next week they're going to have a terrible week. They're probably going to lose to Toronto, who they play on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see uh, Monday it. actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah, all the um all the the Super League games this weekend are on Monday to give everybody Christmas Day, which is Sunday off. So that's cool. Uh, I'm calling Padova versus Lube on Monday. That'll be a, a very quick three donging. Okay, awesome. I won't watch. Don't. Uh, other other match to talk about from this past weekend is Piacenza beating Verona in four. Uh, otherwise, I think we can, we can skip over this weekend. Uh, this match was pretty good. Uh, it was definitely competitive. I really thought Verona was going to come back in the fourth set and extend it, but uh, at twenty four twenty three, Namori Keita misses a serve and it's over. Uh, this was this is kind of the Piacenza I was hoping to see most of the year. And once again, Everett, I'm really impressed by Romy Alonso. Cuba's just got. So many weapons that aren't setters or liberos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you don't want to give their libero too much hate. He's 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 not that bad. Setters, Goida, yeah, that's another Brutal. thing. But you know, <laughs> Alonzo, that dude is consistently one of the guys that 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 impresses me. I think that's a much different Cuban team if he's hundred percent healthy at the world championships. It's a much I different totally like, agree. If, if he's there, because like I said, he's the captain. When Simone isn't is around, he's the captain. And you can just tell when you see him around that team. He's just got a big, strong imp- a presence that everyone else can can anchor themselves to. Um, so no surprise to me that that he's been coming on strong for for for, for Piacenza. Yeah, Piacenza also got good games. Uh, he got they got a really good Yuri Romano game, uh, which has been a little bit rare this season. He's usually making a few too many errors, but seventeen for twenty eight in this one with no balls hit out of bounds. That is a very good sign. Uh, plus four aces. So that's that's exactly what you paid him to do uh, to come over from. To, from being Milano's backup to being one of your, one of your one of your studs and Lucarelli until he got hurt uh, seven for nine pretty good uh, but he hurt his hand Lucarelli's had a bad year for injuries man I feel bad for the guy yeah hasn't been looking good for for Lucarelli just a, another one to tack it on but we've seen his his time in Italy just be marred with a bunch of different weird stuff like it started with the death of his father and just year after year has been difficult for them but uh, you know what this Piacenza team. I know they, they haven't been the team that we've expected them to be. You know, at, right from the beginning, we were like, we're looking at this roster. You got you got Simone, you got Leal, you got Lucarelli. Like, you've, you've got Romano. Like, you've got guys on this team. This is going to be a dangerous team down the stretch. Because I think the, the biggest problem that they have is coaching. Bernardi's a student. For sure. Right? He's For up sure. there with Stoichev. He's up there with Piazza. Why are so many Italian league coaches stooges? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> right, Bernardi's a stooge. But I don't think that's going to stop players of that caliber from getting together and figuring it out. I think it's just going to take them a little bit longer because their coach isn't showing them the path. You know, they got to go and cultivate it themselves and, and build the path them, themselves as opposed to their coach laying it down for them. Um, but this is going to be a dangerous team. Like if, if, like if they're not a top that, that fourth slot team, whoever has them in the, in the first or second round, like watch out because they are going to be, they are going to be dangerous because if one, if you don't, if there's one team you don't want to get hot, it's Piacenza. Yeah. Piacenza has got the scariest roster on paper of the teams that aren't 
Perugia, to be honest. And uh, so looking at the standings again, I mean, Lube's behind them by two points right now, fifth versus fourth, but uh, Lube's got a match to make up, which, by the way, they play tomorrow. Lube and Siena have a makeup match that they're going to play tomorrow. That should be a 3-0, no problem. So uh, there's a chance that Lube jumps Piacenza and Trentino, and Piacenza's sitting in fifth. Uh, by this time tomorrow. That's very possible. But yeah, I'm scared of this Piacenza team, and I think everyone else should be too, because they've had a lot of injury issues that have also inhibited their ability to develop chemistry. And uh, the question in the chat is, Recine been getting on the court? Uh, he did once Lucarelli got hurt, and Piacenza looked better once he did, because that's that's an Italian guy that you can play in the starting lineup, and then you can play both Cuban middles. Uh, because Robert Landy Simone came back in this one from the back issue and he started the fourth set and looked awesome. So that might be Piacenza's path is get get Francesco Recine starter level minutes to free yourself up with the foreigner thing to play the two Cubans in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. I think they do that, that roster is so versatile and it has so much experience that you don't want to mess with it. And I mean, like, look at these standings right now. They could, they could, they could be the second best team in Italy in the next like three weeks. But, yeah, right? by by next show, I mean they're they're one point out of second place. But uh, look who is in second place. That's Modena, twenty three points. Piacenza versus Modena head to head this Monday. That yeah. is a banger. Yeah, that is a banger, and I think that's that's two teams who are pretending to be at the top right now truly <laughs> you know i i don't think that either of these teams have the quality that trentino does uh through and through um and i the same thing with lube right like i think lube is is, is ultimately going to be a better team than, than both of these teams so whoever is going to want to pull out pull up into those top four teams and, and put themselves in a better position to make it to the semifinals it like they need to win this match. This is going to be a must win game for both of these teams because like we've passed the halfway mark. Like this, right. this, this past week was the halfway mark of, of the season. We're now in the return, the return matches. And so, yeah, it's like, like we're balls to the walls here. And let's yeah, go. It's getting real. We, we, there's a, there's a big sample size. Now we really know what's going on and it's still absolutely anybody's league other than Perugia because they're the best team by far, but anybody is alive to make the playoffs at this point. Even Siena, they're far from dead. They, if they if they somehow uh, beat Lube tomorrow, which won't happen, or if they somehow beat uh, Who knows? Uh, well, they, they've got Perugia this weekend. Poor Siena, I feel bad for them. They fired their coach, they got a nice win, and now they're going to go right back to being the worst team in the league. Uh, talk about Verona a little bit before I move on. They just looked okay, not good enough. It was another opportunity for them to rise to a playoff level in terms of a, of another real contender head to head, and they just didn't quite get it done. I wish that they could settle upon a lineup that really worked for them and looked looked like the way that I know it could look. I still want to see more Gord Perrin, man. I mean, man, you're you're preaching to the choir. I <laughs> like I always want to see more more Gord Perrin. You know, it's like a fever, and I got to have more cowbell. Um, but you know what? Well, some guys in the Discord were talking about how Jayski was on a podcast recently, and he talked about the worst coaches he's he's played for. Stoichev, and Stoichev was yep. was amongst them. Like once again, just straight up buffoonery. There's there's truly just like an upper generation of volleyball people that just need to let it go from the administration to clubs to to you know the international stage to coaches. Just let it go. Go be a spectator. We thank you for your service. You've done enough, but like. We want to continue building this mountain, and you're just holding us down here. Like, like take truly. off, take off your trench coat, put on like a robe or a bathing Absolutely. suit. Absolutely, onesies are really nice. Onesies. You know? Get get the trench coat out of here. Uh, throw it, 
throw it away, get rid of it, and, and get some new blood to just start doing some things in volleyball. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Stoichev holds Verona back a little bit, the same way that uh, Bernardi does Piacenza. Yeah, 100%. We, right. we, we, need some, we need some new new blood in here. I think that's it for Italy, honestly, because the other four matches were not close. They were all three zeros. Uh, looking ahead to Monday, um, Piacenza versus Modena is the best match that I see. Uh, Trentino versus Verona should be pretty good as well. Why are all those matches at the same time? Come on, man. You're going to make me come up. <sighs> God, hopefully that hopefully my Padova versus Lube game that I'm calling will be lightning fast and I can watch some of the good volleyball once it ends 3-0. Yeah, I mean, Christmas Eve, have a beer, watch a volleyball. I think that's a, that's kind of mint. You can drink. I don't care what time it is. Start drinking. It's Christmas Eve. It's, it's the day after Christmas. It's Boxing Day, you Canadians. We're talking about the Monday the 26th here. Oh, I have to be on a flight to Arizona that day. Gross. Well, Arizona's yeah. not gross. No, it shouldn't be. Hey, do, do what be. I did. Remember that one day last year when uh, I think Zoxo, I think it was Zoxo versus Lube in Champions League, and I was on a plan. I paid for the in-flight Wi-Fi to watch the match. It was ten. It was totally worth you, it. Uh, you might have you to do, do that, that tomorrow. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I do have like a, a sizable layover at the Minneapolis airport, so maybe maybe it'll fall in at that time. There you go. All right, let's talk about the Italian Women's League. Uh, there's not much going on here uh, since we last talked last weekend. Obviously, Corneliano had the week off. They were busy winning a Club World Championship in Turkey. No really good matches that I noticed. Uh, no. no crazy results. Uh, but here's the standings for what it's worth. Scandici, Malonza, Novara, competitive there, two through four. I, I don't know. I don't really have any storylines to pull out of this weekend from the Italian Women's League. By the way, if you're new here and you wonder why we call a team Malonza, um, I, I realize they can't decide what their name is because they can't decide what their name is. So Malonza for the for the uh, record is Verovali Milano, but last year they were Verovali Monza. <laughs> and their it's, men's it's... team is still Monza. That's the really confusing part: is that this is the same club, Verovali Milano on the women's side and Verovali Monza on the men's side are the same club. And the only reason that Monza men's is still called Monza is because there's already a Milano and they can't take that. So uh, I think our, our friend Joe, uh, Joe had the great idea to call them Malonza and we're sticking with it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, shout outs. Uh, the, the only match I thought was noteworthy from uh, day 12 as, as the women's league approaches halfway through the season is Pinarolo, one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, beating Castle Maggiore yesterday. It was a Monday match. They beat him in five. Uh, Castle Maggiore did not have Lauren Carlini, uh, but Pinarolo is kind of going to have to win a couple of those weird matches if they don't want to get relegated. Right now they are, let's go back to the standings, still 13th, but they're only a point away from being safe. So that relegation race is probably going to come down to three teams, and it's going to be kind of fun to follow along with. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Castle Maggiore, they're one of the teams rumored to be picking up an American. Uh, they could definitely be using. Carlini could definitely use a little bit of a foreign, or, foreign already, help on that team. Yeah, they've already got two. They've got Carlini and Ali Franti. If they got another American pin or maybe even a middle, uh, that team could be pretty darn good. I mean, they're still in playoff position despite losing that match. Once again, Busto just inching their way back into into things, and that's a team that, you know what, I think they're going to start turning things on and- especially as, as Carly Lloyd starts to pick herself up. And that could be another team, I think, that could be pinpointing uh, uh, an American outside hitter to come join them because they're definitely missing a little bit of uh, of, um, of firepower, especially on the left side. I don't know. I think Busto's kind of set with the three outside hitters they have. They've got DeGrati and uh, Omar Rui is like a young prospect, and then Stegroth, the German girl. I don't know if they... 
I don't, of all the teams that I think would bring in an American, I don't see it from them. Uh, Casa Maggiore is a good one. I think Firenze, putting someone across from Britt Herbots might not yeah. be a bad idea. Um, I don't really know much about Cuneo's outside hitter situation. I know they have Danny Drews, uh, the lefty American, um, not to be confused with Annie Drews, who's about to join Volifolia in the new year. Maybe Cuneo goes and gets someone. Uh, I saw Peru. I commentated a Perugia game. They have Tori Dilfer setting their outside hitter position is a bit of a mess. So maybe they go get someone, try not to get relegated. I don't know. Hopefully this time next week we'll, we'll see some Americans moving overseas. What about Turkey though? Because you have Azerbaijan where they have huge holes on the left side, right? Or maybe even Vakov Bank where someone needs to slot in beside um, Gabby. Does like an egg stone or does someone like, does someone fit in there? Or is that too much to ask? Not for Vakif Bank. Like, you're not going to bring someone in from the NCAA and have her be better than Nika Daldrop or Karabayama right now. Okay, yeah, you're uh, right. Maybe, maybe for Zajabasha, but they've got foreigner limit issues. So, like, they would have to replace Voronkova straight up at outside and still have to play a Turkish outside at best. Like, I, I don't... I don't know if I see it there. The Italian league is the most foreigner friendly for sure, uh, unless you go to, like, Germany or France. So, if, if there's... If, especially the Italian teams, like the bad teams that are trying to make the playoffs or not get relegated. Those are the teams that I'm really looking at to make a move in the middle of the season. For sure. I mean, we did see Malonza pick up Retke last year and she did have a bit of an immediate impact if, if even though it did, didn't fade, did fade a little bit. Um, do we see Malonza just add more riches or are they done now? They picked up Jordan Larson. Are they done? If they make another move, I'm never watching one of their games again. I'm going to be so mad. Okay. All right. Fair enough. There's there uh, there's not much going on. Uh, let me see what the women's schedule is for this weekend and see if there's anything good. Also, uh, all the games are on Monday. Scandici versus Firenze is an okay match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malonza versus Busto Arsizio might be an okay match. That one could be a little spicy if Busto can get it going. You know, that's an opportunity to top one of the top teams in the league. And if Mal- if Malonza's having problems with their left side and and have Stiziak there and can't figure it out, like. That, that could be something right there. That's that's definitely an, an interesting matchup for Busto if they want to get back into the thick of things. Sure. So uh, hopefully we'll have a little more next week to talk about, about the Italian Women's League because this past week there was not that much. Uh, should we talk about Champions League really quick? Yeah, just touch on it quick. Once again, like nothing's really happening, and that's as we see it every single year with these early round matchup games just really don't matter much. Even like the big matchups in pool play just don't yeah. matter much because they the the two two teams usually know that they're moving on. Right. Uh, a few match a few let's matches. Do, let's today. do women's. Let's do women's yeah. first. Yeah. yeah. A few matches today. Rejov needing five sets to take out Vasis of of Hungary. Um, and then also another five set with Promete uh, from Ukraine taking down Le Canet from France, uh, going going the distance. Uh, Navarro, Lodz, Exajabasha all taking all getting three nothing three dongers uh, today. To uh, is this week two for the women's this Champions is, League? This is week two for the women, and yeah, yeah, I mean the way that it usually works is you don't get any of the one versus two sort of matchups until week three. And so there's there's still not very many good matches this week. I mean, you can see the rest of them there that are going on tomorrow. Uh, maybe Fenerbahce versus Stuttgart. If there if there's one match that I would even consider watching tomorrow, it's probably that one. Yeah, hundred percent. As I said, I, I think Fenerbahce has an outside chance. Like if there's going to be one team that can upset. "Quote unquote," an, uh, an upper team. I think it might be Venerbahce. Like they've got that a good roster. I wouldn't even call it an upset. Maybe that's how good they are. But Stuttgart picked up a big win uh, last week, and they're going to want to continue it rolling. And I've, I think I've got a lot of respect for that uh, 
that German Bundesliga, I think they, they deserve, deserve a lot more respect in, in the general scope of the CEV Champions League. Yeah, uh, it's it would be nice to see one make make the playoffs and maybe win a game on on the women's side. We haven't seen that in a very long time. It's been so dominated by Italy and Turkey and the occasional uh, Russian or even Polish team, but past that, not much. So uh, maybe we'll have something to talk about about Champions League next week. I'm guessing not. I, I'm expecting those five matches tomorrow to be won by the favorites. Uh, let's catch up on men's Champions League. Uh, we had we had a week of men's Champions League last week. Uh, and so now they're four matches through on the men's side uh, with only two to play. And now we've got actually some pretty decent clarity about where the pools stand. So um, last week we talked about Tuesday's matches. I mean, Hawkbank beat Berlin. That match was good. Otherwise, last week, nothing. I commentated Lube versus Tour. It was the quickest hour in a shower in Champions League history. It was such a beatdown. It wasn't even close. Uh, other, no five setters, no upsets. So we don't need to talk about the matches, but I do kind of want to uh, talk about the pools because now that we know uh, we know the new format of Champions League and we're four matches in out of the six, we're starting to get some clarity on who might be making it out of these pools. So uh, pool A is Yashemsky's pool. The only thing we got to talk about there is can they get the number one overall seed in the bracket? Because uh, if they if they finish up with uh, with perfect points with eighteen points, and if their set record is better than Perugia's, who is probably their main competitor in ter- for the the number one seed overall, if their set record's better than Perugia's, and they get the one seed, and that's going to be big. So check, t- take a look at the bracket again. For that first ranked overall pool winner uh, up at the top of the screen there gets a, a pretty juicy first round game. So does the second overall ranked pool winner. So that's probably going to be JW and Perugia, but those two are probably going to be racing for the number one overall seed in Champions League. Uh, back to the pools, Friedrichshafen is is looking like they're going to make it out, and Group A is just not really all that interesting. No, I mean, if you want to have the conversation about who's going to be first overall, I do. Like, I'm still favor favorably having, uh, heavily favoring. Sorry, uh, Perugia. Like, if you look at like Jasjepsi Wego, like, still needs to to take on Friedrichshafen. Like, Perugia has Ljubljana. Uh, they they Durin. beat him. Oh, they, they they beat him once. You're right. I guess they have to play him again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like the the competition that JW has in their pool is slightly better in my opinion than the competition uh like overall pool e is better because you don't have Montpellier or or Novisad but it's not like you know Friedrichshafen's better than Ljubljana or Durin or Ankara sure. right for sure so yeah. it's it's uh, I think Perugia is going to get get the the first seed overall but still JW does want to put themselves at the opposite side side of the the bracket right. for them no and doubt th- about it and I think that they will regardless I mean they're both dead we'll look at Pooley in a minute but they're both dead tied in points and set record right now they're both 12 points 12 and 2 in sets so yeah. it'll probably come down to sets or maybe even points like on court points to decide who gets the one seed um so that's really the only drama there in pool A lots of drama in pool B Xavierche three and one nine points. Hawkbank Ankara three and one eight points, and Berlin two and two five points. And uh, again, Berlin beat Xavierche uh, in the previous leg. So this pool is going to end up being really fun. What and- they're doing is is cannibalizing their own seed. So whoever wins this pool is going to have a bad seed as far as pool winners go. Uh, but there's a chance that the there's, there's that one third ranked third place team that makes it out of pools. It could come from this pool if Berlin pulls another upset. Hundred percent. And you know what? I'm I'm going to say it right now. I think Bizarre's it comes in and wins one. 
I really? Think they, I, oh yeah, I think they steal one. Like it's that. going to be in five sets, of course, because they've they've gone to five sets so many times so so far. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that Havar Pizarczyk is going to come through and 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 win one. Just just to just to to add add you know add a wrench into it all. You're gonna make something crazy. I I do like a spoiler team in Champions League. It is fun. Like I mean, Pizarczyk's zero and four. They have no chance of making it out. But they're probably the best four seed team in any pool. Maybe, uh, maybe like Ljubljana or Duran. Uh, pool E's got some, some okay teams top to bottom. But uh, Haybar's good. And yeah, of their four matches, two of them went to five. So maybe they spoil something. But that's gonna be my favorite pool to follow along with. Like when Champions League resumes on the men's side in like the second week of January. Once we have five matches in the books, it's going to be fascinating doing all the scenarios for like who's going to go where uh, before week six. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And we're going to be we're going to be getting there real close. Once Ooh, the, yeah. it, it, we get kicked off again, the the week of the like tenth, eleventh, and twelfth of January, so a bit of a break for the men's Champions League. And once that like that fourth or fifth week is done, they're going to really know what's coming up, and it's going to be interesting to see how certain teams react. Right. Uh, head heading forward into the yes, uh, there will be some there will be some some strategy to say the least. Might might be a better's paradise, let's yeah, say, on, week, to on, say week, the least. on week six for the uh, for the men's Champions League. Uh, so looking at Group C, Lube is the best team in the pool by far. It's weird that Tours and Nak Rusolare are competing for second. I don't think either of them are that good, but I do think Tours is better. Uh, poor Benfica, they're 0-4 with two five-set losses. Whatever, Lube's going to win that pool, and whoever gets second isn't really going to be a factor. Pool D, it's obviously Trentino and Zaxa. Uh, they're going to play again in week six. We'll see if there's some some moving around by that point. But honestly, Trentino's probably going to have a lot to play for to improve their seed as a pool winner. Like They can't just lay down against Zaxa even if they're 5-0 and at that point. Um, so th- that one's going to be fun, but Karlovarsko and Menon are just like non-factors. Don't even don't even worry about them. Funnily enough, I think Trentino l- slots in as as the number one team right now. They are tied with JW and Perugia in set records. So it would okay, come they've down all tiebreaker. All yeah. everyone's twelve and two in sets. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So Trentino's right there. Of course, they do have a much harder time getting by Zaxa is, is a little bit more. Uh, but uh, hey, it, it's still it's still up in the air. I, I think it's going to be the one of those three teams. Those th- three teams are gonna, are going to be in at the end um, with an outside shot of Lube. Yeah, Lube dropped that point to Benfica in week one, so that that's really going to hurt them. They're probably they're probably going to end up with the four oh, seed, yeah, but... maybe the three seed overall, which is not bad. Uh, but that's just kind of speaks to how the Champions League format works. Uh, last but not least, Pool E, we talked about it. Perugia's the best team in the world, and the other teams, somebody's going to get second in this pool, <laughs> for better or for worse. Somebody else is going to make it out of this pool. I don't know who it's going to be. They're probably going to get that dead last second-place team seed because they're all just destroying each other down there between Ljubljana, Duran, and Zirot Bank. So i um, kind of curious about that. Someone's going to make it out. Don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, big matchup on the 11th between Duran and Zirat Bankazi. Yeah. You know, Zirat was supposed to be, in my opinion, was supposed to be that that second place team. But if Duran can get get the job done against the the Turkish squad, that that probably knocks them out uh, as they're sitting in last place in Pool E right now. Yeah, you definitely can't advance with four losses, even as a third place team. Nope. There's probably going to be no way to make it out with four losses. So uh, must win from here on out for those teams that that are one and three. And then the ranking of the third place teams, that doesn't really mean much yet, but by after week five, it will. Uh, we'll look forward to, it, to that a lot more as we uh, put some of the scenarios together. So that's it for Champions League. Here's the bracket again. Again, it's new this year. There's 11 teams that make it out. 
Uh, we'll talk about it more as we do some projections in a couple of weeks when the men starts back up again. So yeah, women's tomorrow, not much going on. We'll recap it next week if anything interesting happens. Cool. All right, let's 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 move. I think I think Rob, there's only one more thing. Oh no, there's there's a couple more things to talk about. Um, before we jump into the Plus Liga, I just want to jump. Do we want to do Plus Liga first or Germany first? Let's let's, let's, let's do Germany first. Let's let's, let's, let's jump into it. Germany first because Hoffen, Friedrichshafen, we talked about them a little bit for Champions League, but man, they are coming on strong. Berlin suffering their first loss of the season. Friedrichshafen getting the getting the job done. Big big win in the Bundesliga. Yeah, this match was a banger, too. Uh, I, I watched parts of it and then caught up on highlights. I mean, Michal Superlak is coming on as the, the I mean, clearly Hoffman's leading scorer and, like, leading offensive guy. Uh, I like what I'm seeing out of them. He's better than he was in Warsaw last year. And, uh, I mean, some, some Canadian boys getting a look. Blair Band got, got a little bit of time in this one. Uh, Andre Brown only played two sets, which was weird uh, because he, I thought he looked good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... Berlin, we've, we've talked about Berlin. We've talked about that, that Berlin is fragile. Their outside hitter position is a bit of a mess. Uh, Cody Kessel played fifth set only. Uh, Ruben Schott was good. Timothy Carl was not. Uh, Berlin's just fragile, and it's weird that they, they, they're kind of the same team every year where they're at the top of the Bundesliga, and for some reason nobody can beat them despite their weaknesses, but good for Friedrichshafen. I mean, it, it makes the Bundesliga more competitive. For me, this is just like another Mark Levadu classic, right? Let's just system the crap out of the other team. Because even if you look like offensively, Berlin was better than Berlin was better than uh, than Friedrichshafen. Yeah, like in in terms of uh, numbers and and stuff like that. So, but you look nine blocks for Friedrichshafen. That's pretty yeah. pretty damn good. Nine compared to four, uh, serving pretty balanced. Five uh, to twenty-two, five to twenty-three. Yeah, uh, overall. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just in the, those little moments. It's like especially in a close game like this. I think system does does so much, and that's you know Levadu's bread and butter. Yeah, Levadu is. I mean, I think you brought it up uh, the last time we talked about Friedrichshafen. and Le- Mark Levadu is perfect to take a team with inferior talent and occasionally beat a team better than them. Mm-hmm. He'll do that several times a year, both national team and club. But in terms of winning matches you're supposed to win, uh, sometimes his teams are not quite so good at that. Yep. I mean, hey, we'll see how we'll see if this continues. I mean, Friedrich Schaffen had started really, really poorly last year and picked it up. Right. Same, they same all, they almost won the league. I mean, they, they very nearly beat Berlin in the, in the finals in that five-match series. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see if they can do that again. And once again, go check go check out what they're doing over on Bounce House because hands down, the best broadcast in volleyball great, right now. Great, great broadcast. Uh, I, I would like to watch the Bundesliga more if, the, if their matches were a little more competitive. We do have a point in the chat that uh, Lundberg did advance in the CEV Cup. And Lundberg next up gets to take on Modena. Oh yeah, we those, definitely want to talk about that. Those are going to be fun matches. I wonder when those are. Let me see if I can figure that out. That one is definitely going to be fun. There's so much North American content going down oh, yeah. on that Lundberg team. Um, January, I... January 11th. That that same week the Champions League comes back is the is the week of like the eighth finals of CV Cup. So Lundberg in a two match home and away series with Modena is going to be really fun. God, I hope those matches are broadcast. But somehow, they, I've, 
somehow I feel like the CV is going to screw that up. I think the eighth finals might be too early and they might not have streams for that. It's going to be such a shame. I really hope, I really hope they do because that would be such a good game to watch. Oh. Like, especially cause I've, I've been doing, if you guys haven't checked it out, go check out the, the latest highlights uh, from the Pan Am cup and, you know, watching guys like, like Xander Ketrzynski and uh, Jordan Schnitzer, who are both two of those middles on that uh, Lundberg team just light it up is so much fun. That Lundberg team is, is a blast to watch and they're just threatening right now. Yeah. They're so fun. Yeah. I can't wait to see them play Modena if we can see it at all. Do do we, do we dare? Like, is there the realm of a possibility that there's going to be an upset in that one? I mean, we saw it last year. Modena lost super early to tours in like the quarterfinals. It's, it's not impossible. Modena has been known to sleepwalk in tournaments like this. It's not impossible. 100%. Like, then we'll see Joe Worsley better than Bruno. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I think they've got a pretty nice outside hitter matchup against the, the Modena's outsides not named Urban Ingepen. I mean, I think I, I honestly might take Jordan Eward over Tommaso Rinaldi straight up. So uh, I'm kind of excited to watch that. Ooh, really? I don't, what has Tommaso Rinaldi ever done for me? You're not wrong. Rinaldi is Rinaldi is is unbelievably average. average. So average. <laughs> so average. I like I like how we both use different uh different uh, describers, but for the for the same one. Average. All right, let's average. talk about the Plus League before we get out of here because uh, it's late. This has been a long show. Uh, it's been awesome. Uh, we we got to get out of here, get everyone onto their holiday weekends. Let's talk about the Plus Liga. Uh, we we want to put more focus on the Plus Liga, but there's so much of it. There's so many teams. Uh, in in such a way that even the players are starting to complain about how many teams there are. But it's actually difficult to follow along with it all. But we did just reach the midway point of the year for the Plus Liga, and they do something kind of cool in naming like a, an all-star team of seven uh, for the front part of the season. And this, Everett, is how you should do an all-star team. This is actually, I think, the correct picks across the board for the best seven players in, in an appropriate breakdown of positions in the Plus Liga for the first half of the year. Finally, somebody did it right. At the very least, if there's if there's a debate, you know, there's sides on both of the debate. Like, if, right. if you wanted to have someone out there, I don't necessarily disagree with this at all. Like, maybe you could use, like, Taylor Avril instead of Koka, Kokonovsky, but I think that's a stretch. Even, like, I, like to me, this is this is the team. Uh, uh, absolutely. And it's just so well done by the by the Plus League. Uh, but, you know, diving in, Kovacevic has, has been having an unreal season. Yeah, there's some awesome. There's some people in in uh, in Poland who are thinking that this is one of the best seasons ever uh, by any player, and they're they're kind of looking at that he can kind of, like, ask for anything in, in upcoming contracts. Stephen Boyer has had been having a breakout season uh, not breakout season because we all know who Stephen Boy is, but he's having a, a massive return. It's the best he's ever played. This is the best he's ever played for sure. And part of why JW is good, considering the injuries that they're dealing with right now in setter and both middles, is because Stefan Boyer has been good and he's been consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. Um, and of course, Matus Biniak. He's been Straw's best player, hands no down. That's an absolute no-brainer. You probably don't even need to check the stats. The eye test does nope. it for you. <laughs> TJ DeFalco has continuously been better. Um, you know, our wonderful, uh, our wonderful researcher Lucas um, talks about how it looks like the Rosovia is his team and how he's he's a leader oh, on that team. God, so- is that good to hear? Everett, remember when the World Championship ended and? the United States lost to Poland in the second round of bracket and 
TJ DeFalco had one of the worst matches we've ever seen. He got subbed out for Garrett Mongatutia. And we were talking on the show after that happened that TJ's going to go to Poland. He's going to play for Rosovia. He's going to be in the spotlight all year long. How is he going to handle that mentally? Boy, is it, good. It. is it good to hear a comment like our, our researcher Wukash said that it seems even like it's TJ DeFalco's team. That is the best piece of feedback I could have possibly heard as an American fan. And watching a couple of Rosovia games, he looks awesome. Awesome. Yep. And so does Kokonovsky. Uh, what well-deserved spot for another Rosovia guy in the middle there. But, I mean, that Rosovia team has been looking really good really good this season. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see. The curse how, hasn't how, hit them yet. Can... It's only a matter of time until the, the classic Rosovia choke uh, happens eventually. But so far, it hasn't. They've beaten pretty much everyone they're supposed to beat. No, yeah, absolutely. And of course, rounding out uh, Miguel, Miguel Tavares getting the number one yeah. top Portuguese setter award. guy, really underrated, really, really underrated setter for Xavier. He's he's part of why that team is good, because other than Kovacevic, I wouldn't say that his wing talent is it's not is superb, not it's quite not. as good. I, I'm very low on David Konarski. I don't like him at all. I think Kulak's really good. But yeah, uh, no, but, I'm really high on Kulak. But Konarski yeah. is is average. Yeah. Like I'd rate him uh, below Butrin. And didn't But isn't Butrin at Rosovia now? No, Butrin's on Olshtin, and uh, Olshtin. we'll, we'll okay. talk about one of their matches in a second. But yeah, part of the reason why Xavierche is the first place ranked team in the league right now is because of Miguel Tavares. So I think he deserves a lot of credit. And then part of why Treffle Gdansk is quietly, like, I think, what are they, fifth in the standings right now? Is because of our boy Luke Perry. Got to give Luke Perry some shout out. Uh, the Australian libero, he is the man. He's having an awesome season. And for him to get the nod in this list over guys like Eric, Eric Shoji, Shoji or Pavel Zatorsky or Popchak, uh, yeah, that, that's that's high praise, high praise for uh, for Luke Perry and well deserved. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I mean, the aforementioned Eric Shoji, he does make the second team uh, alongside Taylor Avril. Um, yeah, Avril Pashitsky, two pretty good middle picks. Uh, Janusz, uh, reigning MVP of the league, a good pick, etc. So yeah, there's, there's good. I, I like the way the Polish league does their media. I mean, Polish people, Polish volleyball is the only entity that does it right, top to bottom, that that I know of consistently. And I, I just like consuming their stuff. I wish, I wish they had English commentary like the Italian league does. That would be awesome. That that would be awesome. Hey, but if you guys are ever looking for English commentators, we got two guys for you. We'd love. We'll, we'll, we'll even host it. You know, sure. we, have, we have we have a wonderful YouTube channel where where we'll host it. Certainly do. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a couple of Plus League matches that have happened since the last show. Uh, we talked about Olsen a second ago. Uh, Olsen beat Zaxa. Big win there over the reigning champs. Now Zaxa's struggles are well documented. Uh, they continued today too. They, oh yes, they did. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> but, but, but Olsen's fun and they're good. Uh, Kara Butrin is awesome. Taylor Averill's awesome. Josh Tuaninga is awesome. Um, Carl Butrin is, is is so much fun to watch. We saw him at VNL Everett just just we were big murdering balls. Yeah. He is the just, he is one of the funnest arm swings in volleyball. He's so heavy, oh, like, awesome. in, like like heavy, and like he hits the ball like a freight train. Like I would not want to get in front of a ball that he hits. You can just tell. Like some guys just hit the ball fast with yeah. speed. He hits the ball fast. With, with weight, weight. yeah, you like and, the Clay, Clay Stanley used to percent like it's break your platform as you try to pass and just like oh like, pull your arms out of your sockets. He just crushes the ball and I love it. Yeah, love Butrin. Shoutouts to him. Uh, we talked about Rosovia beating the teams they're supposed to be. They soundly destroyed Vershava the other day, 
And I really thought that Vershava was going to be better. I thought they had a good offseason. They've dealt with injury problems. Uh, Linus Weber has barely played. But they've got to figure it out. Uh, they've got Jan Fierle now setting. Uh, they got rid of Andrea Anastasi. Why, why isn't this team better than they than they are? You know what? This team needs to go back to the OG days. Bring the boys back together. Where's Stefan Antigua? Where's Shawan Vernon Evans? That's the Ooh. last team. This, that's the last time this team was good. Right? That's the last time uh, for Sava uh, w- was 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 any good. So, um, yeah, you know, like uh, it's it, it's tough to see. A uh, big shout out to Ronnie, who clearly has not been watching the nine by nine this season, and went and <laughs> bet money on Vorshova. And this one was upset when they were getting slaughtered after the first set. It's like, buddy, come on, yeah, you, have, you have, have your you one watched? cameo, <laughs> one cameo, cameo. Thank yourself and then disappear. Like, like what, what, what's going on? But yeah, these are two different two teams going in complete opposite directions. Um, and you know, it wasn't long ago when they were in complete opposite directions in in the op- opposite in in the other way. True, yeah. Varsava was the Champions League team, and Rosovia was like the laughing stock of the league, and now very much the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the, I think the best, the highest level match that happened in the Plus Liga in the last week was this one. Uh, Skra Belkatov narrowly losing to Xavier to the best team in the league in five. Uh, this was really good. Um, just overall good. Not and Nothing really jumps off the page when you look at the stat sheet, but it was just a fun match to watch. Uh, Biniak was great for, for Skra as always. Uh, Atanasievich, pretty good. Turning back the clock a little well, that, bit. 43% efficiency. That's the thing with this Scraw team is that you've got Bianiak to kind of like anchor them and cement them. And then you've got all of this quality around them in terms of these just older aging players who may not have the same legs the younger guys do, but they have that quality. And so I always feel that they're going to be able to make things a little bit difficult. If they could pick up, you know, a really dynamic outside hitter, I don't know, like a guy like Taylor Sander or something, that would be really nice. Um, but you know that Weird, uh, man, Taylor Sanders playing for Scrub Elkatov, I could never imagine. No, I could I, huh. I could never imagine it. That <laughs> that that could definitely not happen. Uh but but yeah, like this Scraw team is is gonna be dangerous. I know that they've missed out on the uh the Polish Cup uh this year and they weren't one of those those top six teams, but this is a team that can kind of turn it on and I think they're gonna be more dangerous in matches like this than they are gonna be in matches where they're supposed to win. Yeah, and they'll they'll play they'll make the playoffs, and they're playing CV Cup, and they're, they're probably going to be decent to good in both of those things. Xavierche, uh, by the way, in this match, good. I want to give their middle blockers a shout out. Uh, Michal Shalaka is like somebody nobody really knows about, and then this uh, Milos Zinishcho character. I didn't know anything about any of these guys coming into the season. They both look awesome. They're both outplaying Krzysztof Reno right now, and he won everything there was to win with Zaxa the last two years, and came over to start and it hasn't gotten that much court time because these two guys have been really good so another reason why Xavier is good it is not because of David Kanarski he got benched in this match okay well there we go <laughs> now you know it's not because of, uh, it's not because of uh, David Kanarski I am not high on David Kanarski I never have been uh, even since he was for some reason wasting space in the Polish national team uh, last but not least for the Plus Liga is a match that happened earlier today. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What not... is going on here? Luke Lublin, who coming into the year we thought was going to be kind of good, if for no other reason than they have three Americans, or rather two Americans and an NCAA guy, and uh, Dustin Watt and Jeff Jandrek and Nikolas Scherzian. But they have no business beating Zaxa. What's going on here? Man, I, I don't really know. Simone Romach? Uh, coming up with thir- 25 points. Nick Scherzian got 19. He was pretty good on this one. 17 for 32. Hit a 38% efficiency. Um, just 
I'm not entirely sure what's happening uh, on the other side. I didn't watch this match, but I did see the Discord blow up about it. They were going off about Kajmarik. Kajmarik wasn't ta- – oh, his efficiency was pretty bad, only, only at 25%. Yeah. He was 17 for 40. Uh, Slivka had a banger of a match, was 28 for 50 at a 48% efficiency. That's the thing, though, like, is you can't be setting Slivka 50 balls. If there's anybody, if there's anybody on this team that's going to be hitting high volume, it's got to be Kajmarik, and he's got to be better. Slivka is not – capable of scoring on of scoring decent efficiency at 50 attempts just not his game yeah and then after that you just really have no one david smith was all right he was seven for 12 uh for 11 points overall uh patish patish patishki but yeah pashitsky he's the uh, ukrainian guy who's been there until norbert huber gets healthy which who the hell knows when that's gonna be yeah it was all right like they they really really need a second outside hitter right now does does zaksa because like this this can't happen Right. Yeah. This, this is a team that that is the two time defending uh, European champions. They've got to figure something out. And there's rumors. There's rumors. There's there's rumors, Rob, that they may have found their man. Who is it? Oh, I, I, I thought I thought you were going to jump in there. But oh, I know. It, I know who it is. Tell, I, tell the yeah. people who Zaxa might okay. be picking up an outside. Hitter. It does look like Zaxa. The rumors are that Zaxa Kajadakoshle will be picking up. None other than Bednorsh, and f- once he's done in um, China, which w- honestly would be just such a natural pick. You pick up another Polish guy. You don't have to use up a foreigner spot. So yeah, well, why not Bartosz Bednorsh coming in for Zaksa? I love it. Uh, I think him or Jeski would be no brainers, but especially a Polish guy like Bednorsh, I think that's exactly I the like play style more. player that they- I-, I like him more too. Uh, but but like especially because JC's such a big banger. I know Bednorsh is as well, but JC's just such a big banger. Him beside Slivka, and you've got Kazmarek on the right side. I think that becomes a legit team. I don't like. I agree with Bednorsh as as well too. And Bednorsh yeah. has pulled out some of the fantastic seasons, especially with that one with Modena a few years ago. Jeski's uh, less error prone, uh, and I like him for that for Zox's play style. Okay. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see if, if if that works out. But I do like the Bednor's rumor. Uh, we'll see if we can get that locked in once the Chinese league season ends. But I, that, that's what Zaxa needs. They are slipping. They are slipping, and He's they like, need to go get someone. Absolutely. Like if not, like do they do they make it past the first round of Champions League? Like they're going to move on, but do they make make it past past the first round? Oh, man, that, that can almost like, where, not where, even where, think about such a thing like where do we ha- where are they okay they're so, they're down there in four in fourth 12, yeah, so they're 12 so they're five. they're fourth in the plus league at 12 and 5 34 points like pretty comfortably uh those those top four teams are are kind of the the top four are the top four for sure but the Without movement that, yeah. one through three is actually um pretty interesting uh xavier now uh jumps back into the lead with a match in hand, but JW and Rosovia are going to play this week and they could leap like tie them or leapfrog them at the top. And uh, that's not even talking about the Polish cup that's coming up next month. So a lot of good stuff going on. Absolutely. I'm going to be diving in way more. The, the Polish plus league. I'm going to find out. Um, get a, we got to find out a more consistent way to watch the matches here, Rob too. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, but you can join the Volleyball Stars Discord where we can always help you find ways to watch matches or any other information that you need in the whole world because it is the best online chat community for volleyball in the world by far. Uh, we've, we're, we're very, very close to 1,000 members. So if you're watching this show and you're not already in the Discord, you are seriously missing out. It is an awesome resource, and it's extremely fun and entertaining. Uh, we like to make fun of people like Ronnie Cuban Spike a lot. So uh, you want to get in there. The link's in the description.
Yeah, we're looking at like we're like thirty-five people away from being on a thousand. Really close. Yeah, that's that's a big one, guys. So make yeah. sure you guys, uh, if you don't already, make sure you head over to our Discord. Link should be just down below. Uh, join, be a fan, find your community, talk shit, use the memes. We love it. Um, and then once go and head over to that volleyball that store and pick up all your your merch. It, honestly, this shirt feels great. It looks great. I'm really happy with how these this shirt turned that's, out. To be honest, yeah, that's a great looking shirt. I can't wait to get some in. Uh, so check out the store, check out the Discord, and check out our show next week. Uh, next Tuesday, we'll be back with kind of a year wrap up show. It'll be mostly a normal episode. We'll catch up on everything that's going on in the world. But as far as looking at the schedule goes in Europe and stuff, there's actually not that much. So we should be able to uh, take a look back at the year of 2020, 2022 that was in volleyball. And uh, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe Volleyball World's going to come out with a terrible top 12 players list again that we can get mad about. Oh, I hope they do. <laughs> I think we should also just get like a little bit, like a little bit slightly litty. Hmm. You know? Yeah, I like that. Uh, I think the, the week between Christmas and New Year's, anything goes. Uh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So maybe like some red solo cups. Um, I like that. Okay. I like that. That, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, so everyone, uh, after this video is over, first of all, uh, we've got 24 likes on the video. That's great. Give us a thumbs up really quick before the show ends. Uh, get that up to like 40 or 50. That would be amazing if you haven't thumbs up the video already. And also, what, should, what should we have them comment after the video is over? I want you to ask us a question for us. Like, like I want to like, like Rob and I are going to have some drinks on the show next week and we're going to answer some of your questions. Um, so I want some of your questions, whether it's about like this, this season or something uh, for us to debate. Yeah, and the first place we're going to go is in the comment section of this video after 100%. the stream is over. So uh, leave us a comment. Don't, on don't start commenting them now. Right. After after yeah. the stream is done, I want questions or what you want us to talk about for uh, for yeah, whether it's recapping this year or looking forward at next year. Absolutely, love it. So uh, thanks for watching. It's been a great show. It's been a great year. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday. Uh, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas. Uh, we'll be back uh, next Tuesday, same time, same place, and uh, get in one last show before the end of 2022. So, Everett, happy holidays, my friend. Uh, you too. Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Uh, talk to you people soon. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you in the Discord. Peace. See you guys.